You're listening to KDRT LP 95.7 here in Davis, California. My name is Lois Richter, and the program is That's Life. And today, I have a wonderful guest, a dear friend that was named Debbie Ernesty. And she is the reason that I am still walking around and getting up and moving. Because years ago, I wasn't, I wasn't too limber. And I joined Debbie's exercise class, which at the time was done through the senior center. And uh, all the stuff she taught me really, really, really helped. So thank you, Debbie. You're welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good day. Thank you for joining me on my radio show. And I'm used to seeing you and hearing you because three times a week, Debbie does exercise classes on Zoom, and we all get to stay home and listen to her and watch her and work along with her during those those times, and it's really kind of cool. So let's talk about what you do for a living. I know you with your Fit for Life exercise class. And how long have you been doing that? I've been doing Fit for Life for 15 years. And how I actually got started, though, was I got a degree in psychology from UC Davis. I have a minor in adult development and aging. So I like working with the older population. And from there, I went back to school and got into Sac City's occupational therapy assistant program. And I completed that and took the exam, national exam. And I worked at UC Davis. It didn't take me long to work there. I realized, oh my goodness, people need help before they get to this situation in a big giant hospital with all kinds of problems. And I quit that job. My parents were horrified. And (laughs) I said, I'm going to teach fitness classes. Actually, I wasn't really quite sure where I was going, but I just knew I wanted to help people not end up in that situation. So I started teaching fitness classes. It started with water aerobics. I did that for a number of years. And then one day I got a call from the senior center and they said, we've been hearing about you. We'd like you to teach this class that we have that needs an instructor. And I said, okay. And I said, just fill in your application, turn it in right away. Okay. So I filled it out, went and showed up and started teaching these classes where there were about, oh, maybe anywhere from eight to 15 people that might show up. And this group had been doing these exercise classes together for a long time. They've gone through a lot of instructors. And I came in and started teaching it and immediately mixed it up by not having them sit in little rows. We did a big circle. Um, I didn't designate abdominal exercises on Wednesday and legs on Monday. I said, we're going to mix it up every time we get together and we're going to be in this circle. And at first they looked horrified, (laughs) but we went from there and the class grew and grew. And then we had to have two classes and then we had to have three classes. And we did that for a long time. And then when the pandemic came and mid-March, we discovered that we could not teach in-person classes at that time. We as a group, we took a giant leap and all learned how to use Zoom. And we're teaching classes by April 1st. And I'm so proud of the whole group, even myself, because I don't tend to be tech savvy. So it was pretty scary for all of us. So when you started at the senior center, 
was it already called Fit for Life or did you change the name or what? I did change the name. I, I don't even, sorry, I don't even remember what it was called at the time. And I just decided when I had it going and after I had it for a while and it was growing, I decided I wanted to change the name. And the senior center was very flexible with anything that I asked to do for those classes. They were great. And one of the things we did was change the name. Mm-hmm. And why do you call it Fit for Life? I call it Fit for Life because I try to design the program or the classes and the movements that we do to support people living independently and living with great quality of life. Of course, length of life is always a bonus, but I feel like the quality is more important. And I always like to help people do what they love to do best, which honestly isn't exercise, but outside of exercise, what do they like to do? And we've had many people come through our classes who are still doing our classes, by the way, who say, because of you, I could walk the wall of China. Because of you, I can climb in and out of my grandson's giant pickup truck. You know, I don't know, the list goes on and on. And those are all very practical things that we may not think of as big goals. But when you can't do them, it makes a huge difference. And... So that's why I call it for life. I have heard so many stories of so many people saying, by the way, Debbie, I didn't fall down the other day. I tripped, but I caught myself because of that exercise you taught us, that movement that you taught us. Or people who said, I went into my doctor and they were astonished at how good my bones were. Or, you know, all these things that people say that little things that maybe they're not, you know, climbing half dome, but they're still able to walk up the path instead of having to use a walker. Right. And then if they are using the walker, because we do have a couple people in our classes, Mm -hmm. a handful of people who are using walkers, they still exercise with us. And I think that's fantastic because a lot of times what people think is, oh, I'm not a walker. I need to sit down and exercise. And to me, that's like going the complete wrong direction. So yes, we've had so many people come to our classes who have been so thrilled to be part of the group. And then we have people, what happens a lot of times is people join the group and they never leave, right? It's, it just becomes, we, we, we're a tribe <laughs> and the tribe is working together to keep ourselves as fit as possible. And we have people age ranging from late 50s early 60s to people all the way to the end of their 90s and that's pretty phenomenal this big group all with different skill levels but we all motivate one another in different ways to to show up and participate and I think that's a great gift of the group yeah I agree There's been a a real difference between when we used to meet in the senior center. Now, just so I can describe this for for the listeners, because we were on radio, not television. Uh, Imagine a big room. If you know the senior center, you know the room I'm talking about. And you put a circle of chairs around it with about, oh, I don't know, eight feet or so behind the chairs. So there's a place to walk behind the circle of chairs around the room. And then there's an open space in the middle. And so we would go in, we'd get our equipment, the, you know, the weights and the whatevers, and then we would go and everybody gets a chair. And 
during the process of getting set up, waiting, if sometimes there was something happening beforehand, we had to wait out in the, in the, uh, the little entryway there. So we got to talk to each other. We got to visit with each other. We got to see, I mean, even if I didn't say anything, I could wave across the room at a friend of mine that I might not see any other time, but we got to, to socialize in person. And unfortunately, when you're in that giant room with this big circle, it's very hard to see someone off in the distance sitting in a chair in the middle of the room. So Debbie got uh, assistance to, she'd sit at one focus of the the, the uh, oval and she'd have a, a, an assistant sitting at the other, a volunteer. And so when she was doing exercises, we could watch her if we could see her, or we could watch the assistant if, if we could see them. And that was okay. But now that we're doing it on Zoom instead, oh my word, I can see everything that Debbie does. I can see her up close. She is so good with the camera. Normally you can see her full frame in, in the chair or next to the chair, whatever she's doing. But if she wants to show you something, she walk right up to that camera, turn it around and see, and this is what my shoulder blades are doing. Or she'll she'll come close and, and you can see uh, her body move in different angles because she's showing you what the glue and everything. And, and this is the cool part, she has built into her home this giant screen that she can see all of us on. So when we're doing a, a, a workout, an exercise session, she can look up on the screen and say, now, if you're wearing a yellow shirt, I want to tell you, your arm is going too far behind you. You got to stop when it's right by your side. And it's like, what? <laughs> or or she'll be able to see if, if there's, if some people aren't quite getting it. And so she can change her description a little bit or or say it again in a slightly different way until she can see that we're all getting it. And so it is less social, but it's a much better exercise experience. Now, that's my opinion. What do you think, Debbie? I have to agree with you. And of course, there are some differences, right? And the differences are it isn't quite as social. However, I'm very careful that with our Zoom link, that people can enter anytime before I do, and they can chat. And so like, we have an afternoon group and we have a morning group. And our afternoon group, they're pretty chill up, get it done, and leave, which is great because that's kind of how I am. <laughs> but the morning group is much more social. And they show up ahead of time. And they chat and they share and they visit. And then when it's time to start, I have to let them know, hey, it's, it's, I, I need the floor. It's time to start. <laughs> and, and we get going. So positive or negative, it's different. We don't have quite the same social, but we do try to get together once every quarter outside and do something just where we get together so we can see each other, spaces in person. So that's, I guess, the negative. The positive, like you said, I'm able to really look at everybody. Whereas before, I, you know, I only had, I didn't have eyes in the back of my head. I could see my peripheral view. And even though I could see a lot, I couldn't see everybody. But when I have my big screen and I've got all these images, I can glance straight ahead and get a quick view of what people are doing. And if my verbiage isn't good enough, it didn't, wasn't clear, then I can say it a different way and I can see what people are doing. And what's fun is I feel like I've been able to expand a little bit on what we've done in the past 
We've introduced all kinds of new exercises because everyone has their own equipment. They have the security of being in their own space. And that has been really helpful too. So I tease the group a little bit because I tell them, I, I tease them, but I'm really quite serious that there are so many exercises that we've all improved on with our form because I have the ability to get close to the camera. Like, you know, I can move the camera down to the floor and show what my ankle is doing if I want to. Yeah. Or I can get it right up, like you said, Lois, up to my shoulder blade. And so, you know, your shoulder blades should feel like they're doing this. And I can show that and people go, oh, I get it now. For example, our tricep kickback exercise that we do, I struggled with that exercise, teaching it in person. Because unless I went to every person and set their elbow in the exact spot, I'd say... 75% of the class didn't do it well. Yeah. And I was always a little nervous because I was like, gosh, it's really the best way to do the tricep exercise, an exercise with a tricep that's easiest on the shoulder. But yet I couldn't get people right, quite in the right position. But now that we're on Zoom and we do this virtually and I can get up to the camera, I would say there's only about 5% that don't do it correctly. Mm -hmm. and, and if they don't, all I have to do is say a couple more things while I'm teaching and they get their elbow in the right spot. And so it's that that I'm like, that to me as an instructor um, and someone who's wanting to support that, that strength and keep people safe, it's been really wonderful. I think one of the best things about the switch to the Zoom is that in the big room, there was always a hazard of tripping over someone or bumping into someone or, or you know, about this chair or, or whatever. And at home, I don't have to worry about stepping on anybody. I don't have to worry about, you know, I got delayed by a train crossing. I'm coming in five minutes late. Now what am I going to do? Well, I just turn on the Zoom and I join in. Yeah, I actually like it much better. I am much more apt to get there when I don't have to drive across town three times a week. Yeah, and, and honestly, that opens up the class to more people. So let, I want to talk a little bit about that. So prior to doing our classes virtually, our classes were full. They were packed. And it was time to register. It was very stressful to the people who were in the class because nothing said for sure that they would get in mm -hmm. because there's only so many slots. Where at the same time, there were people in the community who were very frustrated because they wanted to take the class but couldn't get in. There were, again, only so many seats in the room. And that was a frustration. And that was something that I often people say, what do you want to do different with your classes? And I said, I wish I could reach more people. And this is what the Zoom has allowed us to do. This virtual teaching does open the doors for me to reach more people. For example, you were mentioning getting to a class. You know, you don't have to get to class except to get to your own house by your computer or your iPad or whatever you're using. You don't have to drive across town. It doesn't matter whether it's hot or cold or windy. You stay in your place. And so that opens it up for people who maybe are not able to drive. Mm -hmm. They can take the class. They don't have to worry about getting someplace. Also, honestly, it opens it up. I have people say, I have a cousin who lives, you know, in Oregon. Can she do the class? Uh, absolutely. And, and then people I, in class who move away and they can stay in class. Right. We've had people who, during the pandemic, especially, we have people move closer to family or whatever. And 
they were still able to do our classes even though they moved out of town. And we also have people who say, I'm gonna be gone for a month visiting my, my mother in Florida. And I love to look at them and say, great, I'll see you in class. <laughs> even though you're in Florida visiting your mom. <laughs> your computer with you or your iPad or anything, doesn't matter where you are. You can still participate. And we've had people participate when they've been traveling to other countries where there's a time zone difference. Yeah. We actually had someone who went to Egypt this summer for six weeks and she participated in our class. So, you know, it's possible. So I find that, um, I just think that's really special. One of the benefits, right? Are you open to more people joining the class? Are you, are you, would you welcome more participants? Yeah, absolutely. I can, I still feel like I have room for more. Um, I still feel like I could manage that with, with, mm -hmm. with the technology that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could definitely have more students. So when you were teaching at the senior center, before the senior center shut down, you had a morning class, it got full. You added a second morning class, it got full. You added an afternoon class, it got full. So you were teaching nine times a week. Mm -hmm. And there was a maximum number of people you could have in class. Well, now, since we're on Zoom, the only reason to have a morning class and an afternoon class is some people don't get up early enough. And some people have to work during the day, so they can't come to the afternoon. But you actually don't have to, you don't have to do as much work. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be on right. as much. So yeah. instead of nine times a week, you can do six times well, a week and the same for the same number of people. Right. Let's talk about that because that's an awesome advantage. So I mentioned a lot of times people join our classes and then they just stay with the classes. Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's like a family, the fitness family. And so one of the benefits of our group is that we have people who step forward to help out. And Lois happens to be one of those people. But so what happens is I teach four classes a week. I teach wait a minute, wait a minute. Morning. Three times a, a week, twice a day. That's six. Huh? Six. I six. However, we use recordings to help me out so that I don't get overloaded. So to be very forthcoming and I teach in person virtually four times a week and then the other two classes for the week are hosted by Lois or one of our wonderful helpers and they initiate the recording and then the class goes on without me present for two of those classes and this is actually with the with the shutdown of the senior center it was actually a good time and you know we all are, we all get older including myself and teaching nine classes where I do everything with the group yeah. um, is really tough. And if you are someone who is working in fitness, you often hear people say, well, just don't do everything. Well, that's fine, but it's not practical. Mm -hmm. you, you really need to do everything with your clientele, with your, your group, because not everybody can hear you. That's right. And, and so the visual is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And with teaching nine classes a week, it was it was, it was hard work. It was hard on your body. It's hard on my body, hard on my joints. I doing the, and I do the same kind of motions because mm -hmm. I'm helping people with similar issues. So it was really, it was, it was something that I'm like, I don't, you know, I can't do this forever. Nine mm -hmm. classes a week. Could I? Yes. Should I? Probably no. 
So this has worked out really well where I feel like the longevity of our group and our classes increased in that sense, that I will be able to do this a lot longer mm -hmm. and with just as much enthusiasm as ever. So, And the, the recordings that you do, uh, you, you're on Zoom and that you're recording yourself on Zoom. So on Fridays, which is the day that I replay a recording from an earlier time, everybody gets a new workout that they've never seen before because Debbie does Monday and Wednesday mornings, Monday and Wednesday afternoon. And then on Friday, she takes the one of those days and just flips them. So the afternoon recording is played in the morning and a morning recording is played in the afternoon. It's still current. It's still in the same pattern because she does, she does have a different, how shall I put that? You go through phases, I've noticed. <laughs> now for, for next month or two, I think I'll work on, I don't know, ankles or whatever it, whatever she picks out. And, and she comes up with these new, new exercises and it's like, oh yeah. So if I go back, see now I'm lucky. I get to see all those recordings because I get them so I can play them. I keep them. And mm -hmm. sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at an old one and Boy, things have really changed since we first started. If I go and look at the, you know, June 2020, much different than it was June 2021 and much different than June 2022. So how do you figure out what you're going to do every day, week, month? How much of a plan have you got? What's, what's going on with you? Mm. I'm a planner and I love to have goals so I, I and I don't always ask the group what their goal is but I have an idea of what people want <laughs> <laughs> um but I I look at the group and I and I I see what everyone's doing and I also can see what they could do better and from there I usually develop the goals and so this year I feel like one of our goals well the first year we did zoom was Bev's tricep kickback. I wanted everyone to know how to do those better. And so that just happened to be one of them. But in order to do that, I had to get people really comfortable in a lunge position. I had to make sure people knew where their tricep was. I had to make sure that people um, had really good support around their shoulder. And so I had to look at that as well as just the tricep. So to set them up for success. And so then I develop exercises that help support, support lunges, supported spine when you bend over at the hips, support the shoulders so that when you bring your elbow, that you can bring your elbow up by your body and hold it there while you straighten and bend your elbow to get to the tricep. And so, so I look at it like that. This year, this year, one of our areas that we're working on, well, we're doing a lot of hip so buttock work and hamstring muscles. I finally decided that the hamstring muscle was kind of this muscle that we kind of have just always set to the side because we've focused so much more on the, on the quads because everyone has, you know, concerns about having knee issues or, you know, nobody wants to have knee issues. So we work a lot with our quads, but, you know, the complement is the hamstring. So we've, we've been doing different kinds of exercises to support the hamstring muscles. 
and the buttocks are always a favorite. Sorry, it's just every year I come up with different ways to work those glutes. <laughs> so definition, definition of term, because not all of my listeners mm-hmm. are in class. What is hamstring quad? Where are they? Right. So the quad and the hamstrings. So the quads is actually four different muscles. This is in the front of your thigh. And the hamstrings are the muscles that are in the back of your thigh. And they have to work together like all muscles. They, they complement each other. So in order for your quadriceps, the front of your thigh, to contract fully, it needs to have length from your hamstring muscle. This is where stretching can be an important piece of our exercise planning. And also, in order to work my hamstring muscle well, and for you to work your hamstring muscle well, you need to be able to get length from your quadriceps. And that's how it works. So like when I go to use my tricep, which is the back of my upper arm, if I want it to contract, I have to lengthen my bicep. And then when I go to work my bicep, my tricep has to lengthen. So there's this compliment here. And I'm sure not everyone appreciates that, but like I can totally nerd out on that. So <laughs> and, and find ways to, to facilitate it because that hamstring muscle, that back of that thigh, that is a muscle area that helps us land gracefully and slowly into our chair no matter how low it is Mm. and when we sometimes see people who kind of fall or flap down into a chair mm, they need to work their hamstring muscles and then a little help in their buttocks and their quads you talk about our group our fitness family as though it were sort of like one unit but there's a lot of people who can't do every exercise that you want us to do. How does that work? Do you just only allow certain people in class or do you have different classes for different levels or how do, how do you do that? I teach the class, but within the class, I try to offer options as best I can. So I think I mentioned in my introduction that my background is in occupational therapy And one of the tasks that we had to be able to do as an occupational therapist was to be able to look at a movement or an activity and be able to look at all the steps that need to happen to make that activity happen. So whether it's making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whether it's getting up off a toilet, okay? It could be any activity, but we needed to be able to look at that activity and figure out what needed to happen in what order what muscles are required, what movements are required, what are the joints doing, and to look at that. And the reason why that is important is because I can take an exercise where I'm like, I would like to do this exercise with the group, but I know not everyone's going to to do that exercise. So I have to be able to look at it and come up with an easier way to do it, the way I want us to do it, and maybe a harder way to do it. And sometimes I come up with two easier ways to do it. And so I'll present that. So if I'm presenting something new, I'll work it into the class where I start with the easiest variation, helping people identify what muscle group we're we're working with. And then over time, that easier one might just be part of the warm up, but then we'll graduate to making something a little more challenging. And I can say, if this is too challenging, just do what we did in the warm up for this muscle. So over time, people get to figure out what works best for them. Again, I have my screen. So if I see someone who looks like they need an alternative, because sometimes I can get call out an exercise and everyone's doing exactly what I expect. Great. 
I don't have to say anything more. I can fine tune that and then we can move on. But if I look and I realize that there are a couple of people who either aren't doing it, don't have very good form, I make sure I, I offer something else. But I also pre-plan that. Again, in the warm-up, I already know what I'm gonna teach for that class most of the time. Every once in a while, I, I can like look at the group and go, you know what, what I had planned isn't what they need today. I'm gonna switch it up. But mm -hmm. most of the time I already know what I wanna teach because I have these goals. I have weekly goals, I have monthly goals, I have the whole year goal. And, and with that, then I can, I can, like I said, offer alternatives and make it so that we can include everyone some shape or form. Sometimes it's seated options. Sometimes it's standing with your hand on a wall or chair. Sometimes it's not using anything to help you balance at all while you do the exercise. And sometimes if I wanna make it harder, I'll say put weights in your hands to make it so it's harder. So, you know, that's how I, I put it all together to be inclusive. I really think the class needs to be inclusive. I like that. What I like is then we motivate each other. Because if you only do a class that you can do everything in, it's, it should, it's never going to improve us. Mm -hmm. But if you do a class that's got some challenges to it, even if it's a lot of challenge, you're going to have improvement. Mm -hmm. And you're going to motivate someone else who's going to say, hey, that person just started and they're looking pretty good. They can't do everything yet, but I can tell they're doing more than they did two weeks ago. And so I just think it's good to have that. I tell people, if you go to an exercise class and you're like, whoo, I could do all that perfectly. It's the wrong class. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to a class and go, boy, that was challenging. Now you're onto something. As long as it's challenging, but you can still do it, or you can at least do some variation of it. If, right. you know, if I were to go to a class and you suddenly said, now we're going to climb this wall. I'm just going to stand and look at you, man. I'm not even going to try that. But if you were to say, uh, now we're going to get down on the floor. Well, it might take me a long time to get down and an even longer time to get up. But I could. Maybe I would, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So thinking about you have a class in front of you and everybody can do it all. This, this particular exercise. If you have morning and afternoon class and in one of those classes there's someone who is for example um on a walker and is not going to be doing the marching around uh do you talk to them separately and say if i say marching around this is what i want you to do and then not bother mentioning it again or do you say during the class uh march around or step in place if you can't move or something how do you do that yeah so i have a well, the good news is I have a feel for who's in our group. So when someone new joins our class, I always meet with them virtually for anywhere from 15 minutes to half an hour and chat with them. Get to know who they are, um, what their exercise background is, what kind of activities do they like to do, what are their goals. And so I have, a, I have that sense for every person in the class. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there... I know who normally comes to the afternoon. I know who normally comes to the morning. And I keep that in my mind when I'm presenting mm -hmm. to the group. Now, there's probably a core number of exercises that I know everyone can do. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do it, they know what the alternative is because I do educate. 
I educate the group periodically. I try to roll through that and make sure people know where the, what the alternatives are. And I have been known to contact people individually and say, hey, when we do this exercise, I notice it's particularly difficult. Would you, would you, do you want some alternatives? Mm -hmm. And I can talk to them one-on-one -on -one and do that. Sometimes I'll talk about it before class. Sometimes I can talk to people after class. We can stay on Zoom after class. And if people have questions, they'll ask me, especially if we do something new. Hey, we did this exercise today. I couldn't really do that with my left knee. Oh, yes, yes. And I often will hear myself say this. Well, you remember, I did mention that you could do this alternative. That's probably the best thing for you to do. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I get questions where I'm like, I didn't quite think of something. And they educate me. Well, my, my arms aren't that long to reach to the back of my thumb. Oh, okay. As I think about how long my arms are, <laughs> which are pretty long. So then I'm like, okay, well, in that case, let's do this. And then I'll take that. And the next time I teach that exercise, I'll make sure I mention that cue that's going to be helpful for the person who asked me that question about something I hadn't thought about. So with that, one of the benefits of our, our group and all the people who participate in my classes, whether it's Fit for Life, in my yoga class, in my stretch class, that I have a fitness Q&A pretty much once every month. And I invite anyone from those classes to come at that half hour to ask their questions. Now, so the group really thinks it's about them and their questions, but it's really about me hearing what they're concerned about. Because I hear their questions, I answer their questions, but then that lets me know where I need to fill in better cueing. Mm -hmm. Maybe I realize maybe I need another exercise to fill in the gap between X and Y. To, to make it so it's more feasible and easier for people to start to acclimate to something that I'm doing different. And so those question and answer sessions are really, really helpful. Yeah. And I would say from the opposite side that the question and answer sessions are incredibly useful if you don't have a question. You get to come, you get to hear people's questions and you get to hear Debbie's answers. And, and it's, a, it's a great way to learn because usually in class, there's not a whole lot of, well, I can't say there's a lot of talking because she talks all the time, but, uh, but it's really nice to hear why Debbie thinks something should go this way or that way. Or it's, it's, a, it's a good learning experience that I certainly love to come and listen to people's questions. Now, yeah, and the question of why we're doing something. Yeah. I actually love that question. <laughs> and, and during class, occasionally, I will say, uh, is your foot supposed to be this way or that way? And she'll go, oh, well, your foot's supposed to be this way. And here's why. And so even during class, little questions will pop up. So you mentioned a couple of other things. Now, uh, Fit for Life is the exercise class, but then you said you have a yoga and a stretching. Are those also classes? Those are also classes that I present um, virtually. The yoga I, is a gentle yoga class, gentle in the sense that I, I smartly pick what I'm presenting for the group to do and get them to do poses that they might not think they can. But if you do it just the right way with the right kinds of transitions, 
um, people often are surprised by what they can do in yoga. But I do, do want to mention that my yoga classes very much focus on protecting people's neck and back and shoulders and providing support for those regions because that tends to be areas that people have problems with, especially in our lifestyle where we sit quite a bit and we're on devices and looking down. So I'm always trying to realign the spine um, through my yoga classes. So I do that. And then, and then the other class that I have fun teaching is actually in the evenings. And it's Tuesday evenings for a half hour, just a short 30 minutes, and we do stretching. And that one, I think, is a really smart way that you do it because you've got the live on Zoom half hour Tuesday evening. But by the next day, I have received the recording of that half hour stretch and I have available to me the record that recording and the one from the previous week and the one from the previous week. So I can do stretches every day, which is what Debbie recommends. But you have your choice of of which of those three recordings you want to follow along with. And that means people don't have to, you know, give up a Tuesday evening. The way I designed that class with the fact that it's a half an hour once a week and that I give the recording to the group, that shows how important I think the stretching is, that I want people to do it. I want it to be at their fingertips so they can just start that and do stretching. Um, I think that's really a, a key part of our fitness that even for myself often gets left as a side thing. Oh, I don't have time. I'll just skip the stretching. But yet the stretching is an important piece of what we do to help keep us fit. Do you want people to do stretching once a day, every day, or more than once a day, or just once a week? What, what is your desire or what is your suggestion? It really does depend a little bit on the person and what they're doing and what, and what their body is like. Some people are just more flexible naturally. Mm-hmm. And then some people are not. So I have family members. Most of my family members are in the not so flexible category. <laughs> and so like I, for them, I would say you should stretch every day. Now, do, should they stretch everything? No, but they should definitely stretch with the tightest. So calves and hamstring muscles often are quite tight on many of us. Um, the front of the hips, that psoas region, also can be quite tight. And, and those are areas that people might want to stretch. If you're someone who tends to get tight around your hips, well, then you're going to stretch your hips. But most of us really should have some kind of stretch routine that's tailored to us that we do daily. And if we do that often happens when I work with someone one-on-one, I start with by giving them a stretch routine that's for them based on what their body is like and where they have aches and pains. And we start with stretching because with that, if I can get them to stretch every day, it's interesting how they come to me later within maybe two or three weeks or less. You know, those areas that hurt when I first started working with you, they don't hurt anymore. Or if they do, they don't hurt for as long. And then I just do that stretch and I feel better. Well, perfect. Now we can get down to business because there's no sense in hurting. So once you can kind of work that out with the stretching, that's really, really helpful um, to maximizing our potential. We want to be mobile. And uh, being mobile, we, we need to have the flexibility 
and those joints to move so that our muscles can do their job. So yeah, once a day. However, if you have a really tight area, it might be three times a day. <laughs> so may I tell people your website address so that they can go and fill out a form if they're interested in getting more information from you? Sure, and they can, yeah, contact me, website, contact me personally, and I will make sure they get the information they need if they're interested in the classes. I usually recommend to people that they be a guest in our class at least once just to get a feel for it and decide if it's something that they want to do. And then after that, I usually meet with the person virtually to answer any questions. I have an orientation, virtual orientation that I send so that people can kind of know the jargon and kind of get a feel for what, how I teach before they, they jump in and, and really get going just to get people up to speed. So I do have a little bit of, I try to provide support to get people started. And I always remind people that in the beginning, it's all gonna feel like, like there's a lot to learn, but you keep coming and then you, you learn more and more each time. And before you know it, it's starting to feel really good. Then you're on your way. Fitdebtraining.com. Yeah. You said that you started out in occupational therapy. Now, I know what physical therapy is. What is occupational therapy? Physical therapy tends to deal with just the body, muscles, joints, and movement. But occupational therapy works with the movement part, but more based on daily activities. So can you get yourself dressed? You know, do you have the range of motion in your shoulder to put your shirt on? Do you have the balance to put your your leg into your your pants? Or do you need to sit down? But then do you still have the range of motion to lift your leg up high enough to get your foot into the pant leg? So it's as basic as that. But occupational therapy also deals with the social aspect. So there's a physical aspect, there's a daily activities of living, but there's also does the person, is the person able to get to the senior center to participate in the lunch program? Can they catch a bus or do they have a different way that they can get there? So you look at making sure that people have a well-rounded life. Do they have the help they need with their ADL so they can, do have time to socialize? So balancing that up, the social part, the work part, being part of a community, giving back to others, doing things that you love, and then just the basic stuff that you have to do every day, whether it's washing dishes or vacuuming. Can you do those things that you feel you want to do and need to do? And that's what occupational therapy is all about. What do you do for fun, Debbie? Oh, some ways I'm embarrassed to say, I love to work out. <laughs> so, so you work out for work and then you work out for fun? Yes, I do. I love training. I love having a goal. And this year I've done quite a few things that are new. So to back up, one of my favorite things to do, my favorite hobby is rowing. I am a competitive rower. Rowing? On a crew team. Rowing. As rowing. I'm in those long, skinny boats that you see in the Olympics. So I do that with um, in West Sacramento. I'm part of a team, a competitive team. I also have my own single. So that's 
a big love of mine. I love that's if I could choose, I would be on the water in my single or rowing with my team. In fact, we race this Sunday. We're hosting a regatta and we'll be racing on Sunday. And uh, so I do that. But as if that's not enough, I decided this year that I would try training for a half Ironman. And so this year I did my first sprint triathlon, my first Olympic sized triathlon, my first half Ironman. And then last Saturday I did 100 miles. I did a century ride through in Sacramento was a fundraiser. Yeah, so I like to work out. I like endurance sports. Well, that's all well and good, but you must get some rewards for this or awards for this. Hint, hint. How'd you do there, Debbie? I do quite well. I'm very competitive. <laughs> so I, I tend to push myself. I'm usually, you know, in the top tier of whatever I'm competing in. Um, there is this lovely thing called age bracket, which I'm ever so grateful for. So with them, amongst my peers, I do really well. I've often held first places in a number of events that I participate in and walk at home with a plaque or a medal. But when it really comes down to it, what I really, really love is all the training. I like getting up in the morning and go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I go do that and it's hard. And then the rest of my day is easy. <laughs> it's a comparative thing. Yeah, it's comparative. <laughs> so um, beyond that, though, I do love to cook. My new thing is I'm making homemade yogurt. I'm just in love with my homemade yogurt. I think it's the best yogurt in the whole world. <laughs> so that's my my newest um, little side homey thing. I like to do stuff at home. So are there any um, major changes that you're planning? In other words, is the, is the exercise class going to change a great deal? Are you adding yet another, a fourth class or what? What's happening? You know, that's a really good question. I, I, right now, I've been, you know, first it was just to get everybody to do Zoom. And now I'm in a place where I'd like to, you know, it's taken me forever to have a website. So now that I have that, I think that opens it up. I'd like to expand our classes. I really would like to invite more people to join us. Um, we have a very strong, don't mind the pun, we have a strong group of followers in my fitness classes, but I'd like to expand that, help it go to where I wanted it, to be able to reach more people, um, no matter where they are in the US to start with and to see if I can expand that. So I think that's a personal goal for me for my classes. And as to adding other classes, I, I'm open to that. I just haven't figured out for sure what has been the next niche mm -hmm. and um, I'm open for suggestions so if people have ideas let me know I would love to hear that to get a feel for what people might like and one thing is you know could I teach a class that's even a step or two above what we do for fit for life and or could I teach a class that was a step down a little more gentle uh, maybe a little more sitting but not all sitting because I'm a big fan of standing exercises but you know, maybe I could do something like that as well. So I have toyed with the idea of having a breathing group because that's been one of my my things this last three months where just really thinking about 
how I breathe, how everyone else breathes. Are we breathing? <laughs> and are we breathing well? So that's something that I kind of toy with in my mind, thinking we can have a breathing group. <laughs> well, I, I do have a couple of little detailed questions. Now, I know that we're staying on Zoom and not going back to the senior center to that big mm-hmm. Uh, but you are still doing things with the senior center, little occasional yeah. things, aren't you? That what what are they called? Fitbit? Yeah, they're Fitbit's Fitbit. And I pick a topic and I present the topic for so probably about 30 to 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then have questions afterwards. And so last month our topic was sleep. Hmm. And this month this coming, this October, um, this month, the topic will be stretching, that how to, how to do it. And, um, and then the following month, our topic will be about the knees, but we've explored different parts of the body. And anyway, also open to those kinds of topics, any other topics related to the body that people have interest in. But I do teach that in collaboration with the senior center. They host it, they advertise it, people register through the senior center, and I present. And then after I present it, they get a recording of that presentation that they can watch over and over and over to make it so they get the most benefit. And do you know if the senior center allows people later on to go back, like I can go, oh, wow, she did those really neat things in the spring of 2022. I wonder if I can get a recording. Maybe I could sign up still. Do you know if that's allowed? You know what? I have a the senior center is, they're wonderful. They really support people. And my guess is that if you went back and said, hey, I didn't do that series, this is a series of three or four, that there would be a way to get those recordings. I know for a fact, like um, I did the session on sleep and people afterwards were like, oh, oh, I missed out. I didn't get to do that. And I told them, I said, that's okay. Just go register. And when you register, you'll be able to do the next two and they will send you the one on sleep. So I know that they are willing to to do that. Right. So, yeah. You do the Fit for Life as an in-person it's it's not in person, but it's live Zoom for each class. Two of them are with you, with you watching me and me watching you. And I'm able to say, where'd that hand go? And and you're able to answer. And then and then once the, on the Friday, it's a recording. So I can't actually ask you anything right then. But what, why do you not simply publish recordings and sell them to anybody out there in the world why don't you do that you know I don't do that because I believe in the group process and there are so many studies out there that talk about success with for fitness that people want to get involved in fitness and improve their fitness that being part of a group how important that is and how people tend to stick with it for much longer if they have a group. And so that was one of the benefits that I thought we had at the senior center was we had this group that we came together at a certain time and we got the fitness done. Whereas if left to our own devices, we'll do it here and there. And so I'm gonna expand a little on that 
that answer, Lois, because I did an experiment many years ago at the senior center. We had a morning class and we did a second morning class and then people asked me to do an afternoon class, but they said, do it on a Tuesday, Thursday, because you do all your other classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And at the time I went, okay, and we did that. But what happened was that group that I met with on two times a week never improved. And the group that I do three times a week, they improved. And we could keep doing different things and more things and more repetitions. And we could just get, it just got, it was way more exciting for me as a teacher and for them as a group. But the group that I only did twice a week, we stagnated. We had a, we had a, a beginning rise in our performance and then it just went flat. And I knew what was gonna happen next. It was gonna dip because everyone's getting older. So in Clayton, if you're not getting enough and not getting that, that gentle push, then physiologically we're going to decline. But you don't have to if you have the right kind of scenario and the right kind of exercises, you can keep improving your strength. At some point, you'll plateau, but then you're just going to maintain that plateau. But I can't do it for the group twice a week. It won't happen once a week. Three times a week is the way to go. And that's where the group becomes important because it's so hard for us to motivate ourselves independently and think we're gonna do an hour's worth of exercise three times a week all by ourselves. Yeah. It just doesn't happen, mm -hmm. but it happens with the group. So if I just send out my recordings and say, go for it, I, I don't get to have the satisfaction, nor do that, does that person get to have the satisfaction that they're going to improve. And then I just feel like it's a waste. So I really like to see people in action and then see them around town or hear about their accolades of how they, when they tripped, they didn't fall or how they were able to get on that low sofa when they went to play bridge at this person's house or, you know, whatever it is. And that's what motivates me. And that's why I'm still doing what I'm doing. Is there any any message that you would like to leave with my listeners who are probably not in your exercise class? Think of getting someone, whether you work with a, a physical therapist, but work with someone to generate your own home program to get you started. Mm -hmm. Look at, feel for your body. Where do you need strength? Where do you need flexibility? And do that. Bottom line is get out and move. Don't sit in your chair all the time. It's so tempting for all of us. Set that timer. Get up out of the chair. Um, the studies say every 20 minutes, but, oh, that sounds very daunting, and I get that. So set your timer for every hour, and just make sure every hour you get up. and mm -hmm. um, Go do something. Yeah, physical. After Whether it's taking out the garbage or folding your laundry. <laughs> After Debbie told me that, I went out and I bought this little timer because I a lot of times I'm in a zoom meeting and I can't have noise going on because we're recording some panel or something or other and so I got this little timer and it has settings in the back you can set vibrate on or off beep on or off and flashing light on or off so I turn everything off except the flashing light and then I've got it where I, I can see just see it in the corner of my eye and when that light goes flashing I go Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to stand up now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So thank mm -hmm. you, Debbie, for that suggestion. 
You're welcome. That little timer can be a really good coach to be moving. That's really key. We're designed to move. As far as hobbies go, that people might enjoy doing, like bird watching, that's a great one. It gets you out in nature, you get fresh air, you can see beautiful things, you're standing up usually, you're walking around a little bit, but it's not it's not exercise like I'm going marching or I'm going running or something like that. It's it's a thing you do for fun, but it has some benefits. I'd say honestly, any activity that gets you outdoors is a bonus. That's a win. Because there are studies that say that just being outdoors helps us mentally. Gardening, that's a lovely activity. But gardening is wonderful because you're squatting, you're you do have to lift a little bit, you know, you're you're digging. There's always something physical in, in the garden. So yes, it's wonderful. And when you say out going outdoors, you don't mean going outdoors sitting in your car. <laughs> you mean Oh true. I mean actually like... outside the car and outside the house. <laughs> and yeah. So being out of doors, take a walk around the block, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're going Mm -hmm. to go visit a neighbor that's two blocks away, why not walk instead of driving? Right, right. I used to do this thing for a long while. I was really focused on if I, if I can, I'd walk there. But if I can walk there, I would walk faster. If I can walk faster, maybe I would jog. Like I always try to just think it one notch up. I did a year like that. I got a lot of steps in, let me tell you. <laughs> but but I think it's a bottom line. Look at what you do and then do a little bit more. And then reassess it later, give six weeks or six months, and ask for a little bit more. And if you think of it like that, it won't be so daunting when you start to think about adding activity to your daily life. Start where you are. My guest today has been Debbie Ernesty, who is someone who can inspire you to get healthier, to get stronger, and to get moving. Thank you, Debbie, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. And you have been listening to KDRT LP 95.7 here in Davis, California.